Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is September 28th, the final day of Major League Baseball's regular season. And uh, I am your host, Nicholas Minix, joining me as usual on Sundays uh, to wrap up this fine 2014 baseball season is Jason Collette. Jason, how has your Sunday gone so far? So far, so far, there's a little bit left. Yeah, uh, besides benching Jordan Zimmerman today on his no-hitter, which was a sweet-ass call. And we, we talked about that last week, about the line drive off his shoulder. And let's see, having five starters go last night and only getting one win, and then benching Henry Mejia this week and losing a point in saves to the guy behind me who leapfrogged me into third place, not bad. Uh, it looks like I was able to hold on to fourth place in one league, and the other league where I was in the money, I fell out. Stupid Paul Spore and Brady Childs. Uh, leapfrog me so yeah other than that not bad uh, my, my fantasy uh, balance this year is in the negative and I'm not happy with that but I did have a, a lot of leagues where I finished within the top five and I am happy about that no league titles but negative balance didn't help me because one of the leagues I really tanked it this year yeah I'm uh I'm a little disappointed I I have uh, no money leagues or on the money leagues left or that I was in serious contention, but uh, did finish. I was hoping to come in second, I guess, in my FSWA league. And uh, I think I did. <laughs> I finished. I think I'm going to finish in third in mine by a couple of points. I wasn't second for most of the second half of the season, but uh, I think my drop of Joaquin Benoit at the beginning of the week actually ended up costing me in that league. So, oh, well. Uh, but no sweat off my back, and I think I think you're going to edge me out. I was I kind of made this bet up in my head. I'll, I'll say it on air so that it's up. But uh, I made this bet up in our head between you and in my head between you and I that uh, whichever of us finished better in the overall standings, like if you finished better than me, I would donate a little more to your. Uh, uh, to your friend's cause, uh, if you could remind us of that, because suddenly the name of it is, is slipping my mind again. The Under youcaring.com, the yes. Evans Young Warrior Fund. Yes, the Evans Young Warrior Fund, yeah. Up to $31,176. Uh, they're still about uh, half a year left, but they are, uh, uh, that puts them at, what, 62.5% on the way to their goal. Yeah, that's fantastic. And we've had a we've had a few listeners comment either via Twitter or uh, article comment, what have you, uh, that they have they they've been happy to contribute us a little bit, and uh, so we really appreciate that uh, as well. Yes, I see a few anonymous people. I'm assuming those are you people. So every time I see anonymous, I figure it's you. I saw one or two people actually said they were listeners uh, or or uh, one of our names on there. So I'm like, that's cool. Cause I'm looking at it right now on there. And seeing that they're getting closer and closer, so uh, that's good stuff. Because I know he was back uh, in chemo this week; he had to go for a chemo treatment this week, and they had some pictures. And uh, not easy to see as a father of two. And even if you don't have kids, uh, seeing a kid laying in a hospital bed undergoing chemo is not an easy thing to uh, uh, to look at. Yeah, I, I I can only imagine not being in that position myself, and uh, uh, it's it's kind of a frightening thought. Um, so we appreciate all the help that folks are willing to give and uh i think without further ado we'll discuss kind of how the season broke down we just basically wanted to do this season recap of a podcast for the 
basically to give out some some kind of fantasy awards, talk about some things real quickly that we noticed or learned, and uh, and uh, we but first start with a newsworthy item, of course, of Jordan Zimmerman's no hitter, which cost Jason uh, perhaps dearly in his fantasy league. Uh, it cost his wife a beautiful dinner out. Way to go. <laughs> Uh, it was, but it she was, asked me the other day, she goes, hey, are you going to win any money this year? And I'm like, uh, barely enough to cover my expenses. And it was that that look of, oh, yeah? Because I think <laughs> I've talked about this before. The year I met her, I won two fantasy baseball leagues, a fantasy basketball league, and a fantasy football league. So my demise is I pretty much blame her. And it, that's a running joke uh, with that. But that first year... We went away on a long weekend in St. Augustine. We had a cup. It was it was rather nice, and uh, my success hasn't been that. So I haven't had that much success in one year since. And marriage and kids are are clearly at fault there. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I think that you made a drastic mistake on your real life roster, and <laughs> it just cost your fantasy rosters dearly. Uh, it's impressive performance today by Zimmerman. Of course, uh, anytime you pitch a no hitter, it usually is. But uh, he and he, he expended 17 pitches in the first inning. That was the most he, th- he threw in any inning. Uh, ended up with 104 total. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's – I'm not even sure how else to put it. I mean, he struck out 10. He walked one, so he just missed the perfect game. Um, but I guess the first thing that come to mind to me is obviously he's on this role. If you're Matt Williams, are you thinking at some point like – I mean, uh, that seems to be this is this is not any case where uh, I, I would look to give him, I guess, an extra day in the playoffs if I could. I mean, I'm not sure how their their playoff schedule is going to shake out, but uh, or if that's even really a factor. But do you think that this is all uh, kind of affects uh, his his demeanor, or his, uh, his outlook going into his first postseason start? No, I mean, as Jim Leyland uh, used to famously say, your momentum's as good as your next day starting pitcher. Uh, with that, you look at the schedule, the way the schedule shakes out uh, for them, they don't have another game. I don't know if, you know, what day, how they're shaking out their postseason rotation, but they only play two games between now and next Monday. And their first game is, is Friday night. Their second game is Saturday night. They have Sunday off. Uh, and then you then you go to Monday for game three. So they, they've got time on this. So, that, you know, I didn't see what his final pitch count total was in that, but I don't think that's a factor here. And I don't know, you know, if the level of this game, if it was, was it serious enough that he had to pitch today to clinch postseason? Because I was surprised that he pitched. No, um, I, I mean, to clinch the home field advantage to the playoffs or something. I didn't know if that was up to, uh, um, I don't believe that's the reason. I was surprised he pitched. I was surprised as well. Um, I think, I mean, I think that, uh, if, no, they they had that sewn up. I think a couple of days ago. Yeah, in fact, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, oh man, I, I'm not even sure. I didn't see the in the end why they did pitch him, um, other than perhaps uh, I, I know that um, there were a couple of guys I think in the rotation that they kind of shifted around uh, that they didn't expect to pitch, or they did expect to pitch over the weekend. Um, they did have the double header. Yeah, like Wainwright got scrubbed today. And we and we talked about this last week. Some of these things were going to happen, and Wainwright got scrubbed today. So I'm sure there's at least one person listening to this that was counting on Wainwright getting that second start this week, and he got scrubbed because the Cardinals didn't need the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think <laughs> I, I I I think this is kind of the, these things kind of they they 
these kind of things happen kind of at the end of every fantasy season that are just totally unanticipated. And I, I don't know, I don't know how else to equate it other than, I mean, you've, you like, you kind of equated it to week 17 in the NFL season. I mean, this kind of stuff happens. I mean, in the end, it certainly isn't what mo- made or bra- uh, broke your season, but, um, when it feels like that's, you know, when it feels like these kind of decisions are like that you need something one way or the other to shake out in your favor uh, and, and those kind of decisions ended up end up affecting it. It definitely doesn't feel that way. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's always important to remember, of course, that the 161 previous games mattered just as much or, and they, <laughs> all the decisions, I think it's just, it kind of emphasizes the importance. I mean, I know that I can blame like, roster uh, i wasn't the most intense roster manager in one of my leagues uh, in that fswa league i think in the first half and i think that's what came back to beat me i mean i'm missing certainly some some games played and some re- and some uh, relief innings i could have picked up things like that so i think that those things if you think about that stuff um but in the heat of the moment uh, it's certainly not easy to think about it like that uh, but uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see if this affects Zimmerman's outlook. But I would guess not as well, uh, based on, the, like you said, they do seem to have quite a bit of time off. They have everything sewn up. They have a number of other pitchers that they're going to throw uh, in that series as well. Uh, and also, I think it's interesting, <clears throat> uh, and I guess it's, it'd be interesting to see how people view Zimmerman as a kind of a future potential fantasy ace, because, I mean, he finished with uh, incredible numbers, and I think it almost it almost feels like he's kind of going under the radar in comparison to some of the others. Um, but uh, to see where he finishes and, and is drafted next season. Also, uh, Ryan Braun will have – the only other really newsworthy thing we want to talk about before we get into our kind of our picks is Braun is – obviously he's been dealing with this thumb issue for nearly two seasons now, and he's supposed to go what is – I don't want to call it an experimental procedure, but as at least as far as the thumb itself goes, it is experimental because it's apparently never been performed on the thumb, but it's something called cryotherapy. And he's supposed to have that later this week. Uh, and it's an interesting fantasy topic because the first thing I think is a lot of folks said, oh, well, Braun is going to kind of prove that uh, performance enhancers were not a big a big factor in his performance in seasons past and his in in his uh, NLP season. And uh, he's going to, he's going to prove all the doubters wrong, et cetera, et cetera. And that continued to kind of affect, I mean, he had a good year, but not by any means a first round type year uh, or a top, you know, a a top money earner type year with a batting average, I think around 270. Uh, What did he, what did he end up with? Let's see. Um, you know, I probably should have brought that up before I asked that question out loud. I'll look it up here real quick, and he finishes. Uh, we had an 0 for 4 today, uh, <clears throat> or I'm sorry, an 0 for 3 with a walk, and uh, he entered the day with a 268 batting average, 19 home runs, and 11 stolen bases. So it'll be about 267. Not the prettiest numbers, uh, certainly valuable, especially in this day and age of depressed offense, but uh, certainly not what folks expected in 134 games. All right, for all these people years. that bitch about for all these people that bitch about PEDs, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Nelson Cruz and I'm gonna drop the mic because here's what I'm gonna point out about Nelson Cruz. <laughs> Last year before he got suspended for PEDs, and everybody said, "Aha, that's why he was so good." 266, 327, 506 slash line, 240 ISO, two, uh, that's good enough. Uh, let's say uh, 359 weighted on base average and 122 runs created plus. Nelson Cruz this year, who we know was getting drug tested multiple times as as a, a, a 
somebody who's been guilty in the past. 273, 335, 529. 372 weighted on base average. 139 weighted, weighted run created plus. 256 isolated uh, power. So if PEDs were why he was so good last year, why is he good this year? Melky Cabrera, you know, the numbers he picked up right where he left off when he was suspended in 2012. Last year, you have to write it off because he had that spinal tumor. And he could, he could barely stand, and the Blue Jays had him out there. So to me, somebody asked me the other day, this is why I have no problem trying to go get Chris Davis next year. Am I going to draft Chris Davis in the top seven rounds? No, not likely. But I have no problem going to get Chris Davis because I'm hoping he comes at a discount because people are blaming, the, uh, saying, oh, the only reason he's been good because he was taking Adderall last year. You know, people may have missed a news story. He, he hasn't had a... a Adderall exemption since 2012. So if he had it last year, and he, in order to get suspended, you have to fail that test twice. We don't know when he's failed those tests, so he may as well. He, he very well could have failed it uh, sometime in 2013 when he started to fall off a little bit. Who knows? But what I, all I'm saying is, I'm hoping Chris Davis comes at a discount because you look at what Peralta's done, what Cabrera's done, what Cruz has done, what Braun has done. You know, it's not good guys. You know, hitters hit. That's always been my theory. Hitters hit. These guys have done it. All of them, uh, maybe not Braun as much, because I know he was still going in the first round, but Cruz came at a discount. Peralta came at a discount. Melky Cabrera came at a discount, and they've been awesome this year. Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, that's kind of, I think it kind of encapsulates my thought. I think that if, or captures my thought, I think that if, uh, I mean, Braun, you can look at kind of, I mean, the past two seasons, and you can point to, like, games where this, you can kind of link between the news and his, you know, this is this is more of the noise, clearly, uh, based on the, the way it seems to have perfected his performance and when it seems to have kind of flared up, his performance seems to have dropped. He's really struggled this month. Um, I think if this if this procedure, this is supposedly a procedure that's been performed successfully in other parts of the body and it seems to kind of restore uh, the, the structural uh, integrity, I guess, of those areas of the body, uh, follow the story in the off season. If people were willing to kind of be down on Braun, I mean, this is, this is kind of a chance to get a depressed Braun and see if he has a similar impact to what these types of players that we, that Jason mentioned, I think it, it opens the possibility of something to keep in mind going into next season. And I think it was, that's why I think it was, it was just kind of worth talking about. He's it still remains an interesting player. Um, Interesting is probably an understatement, uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of potential offensive value. He talks about uh, in this article from Tom Hodricourt, longtime uh, Brewers beat man from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, mm-hmm. um, talks about how like he said he's felt like he's about 80, 90 percent the whole time uh, at best kind of thing. That's a very interesting story and. Uh, apparently he's been considering this procedure before and there's, there's a lot more that goes into it, but it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. And I think that it's something to keep in mind going into next season that this is, this is, a this is a player that is far from, I think, uh, kind of far from done as a, as a kind of first or second round type fantasy player for us, assuming again, that he can kind of get back to the schedule on as far as the health goes. And uh, I think without further ado, we'll start to name some of our kind of a uh, fantasy MVP and duds uh, or and or duds at the position uh, by position coming out of this season. We did this kind of a little bit uh, right out right around the all-star break. Uh, and it was 
it was kind of fun and, and uh, will be interesting to see if maybe we, uh, we have anybody who differs or <clears throat> more so be interesting to see if there are any listeners or tweeters who have uh, different opinions. Um, so Jason, before we get started, do you have any, uh, any caveats or things to throw in there? You want to just get us started here with uh, the AL catchers? Yeah, let's just work around the diamond. Uh, just pick one guy from each league and uh, go from there. And I think, yeah, let's just go from there. I, some of my picks may be guys that, you know, like Buster Buster Posey has obviously been the most valuable catcher. Right. But you drafted him as that. Right. So to me, you know, what's the big deal there? We knew he was going to be that. To me, I'm, I'm going to, I'll tell you up front, I'm going to use perceived value. Guys that people didn't think were going to do good that did really good this year. To me, those are the MVPs because those are the guys you took late round flyers on. Those are the guys that you picked up in free agent and they went out and kicked ass for you. The guys who earned you the most profit to me are the guys who Thank are. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's right, kind of the way. The same page, yeah. That's kind of the way I view it as well. And I've seen, like, I see some of these also fantasy, all fantasy league squads and I, and, yeah, I, it seems like they have kind of a mixture, and I tend to think that it's like you know, it's to me, it's kind of one or the other. But um, not not there's there's some gray area in essence. But uh, ultimately, if you're earning the most profit, then you are probably helping that guy win the most guy or girl, excuse me. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think well, then we'll jump to Endo catcher first, and then I think that pretty much makes Devin Mezzarocco our. Uh, e- our pick uh, for each of us there that position. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he is one of he's one of six catchers this year to hit twenty plus home runs. Now, some of these guys didn't play catcher the entire time. Carlos Santana, I'm looking at you. Posey, obviously, I'm looking at you. But we have six catch six guys that spent most of their time at catcher that have hit at least twenty home runs. Messerocco, you know, we always blamed it on Dusty Baker in the past. Let this kid come up and play, see what he can do. And this year, he absolutely showed it. Two seventy six, three sixty, five thirty eight line coming into today with twenty five home runs. Uh, and for people. That went out, and I don't think there was a little hype about him coming into the season, but it wasn't out it was, of control. It I was like Jan yeah. Gomes. I think more people were on the Jan Gomes bandwagon than Messerocco, and Messerocco outperformed Jan Gomes this year. Yeah, yeah, and that's. I mean, that's that's of significant note, and I think that's even more so, like uh, Messerocco was this end of the draft type in a mixed league um, with, and it was like noted upside, but again, like I, I this. He clearly, I think, outdid expectations. And, uh, I mean, he outdid mine. I certainly didn't think that he was going to keep up the batting average. And that did tail off, uh, but the power remained. Uh, He continued to to prove successful, especially on the inner half of the plate. Uh, It's really, really impressive season. I'd be interested to see what he does in a follow-up. And you mentioned go for $2. He went for $2 in the mixed Hot Wars draft. Two. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's, see, to me, that's an excellent example of a great topper, of a great end game uh, shot there, because it's like, you know what, especially, that's probably, that's got to be an end game bid, or even if it's not, if it comes up early. To me, it's like, all right, if I'm going to go $1 catchers, uh, I'd like, I'd prefer to take my shot on Mesoraco, and there's no difference between $1 and $2. It's better spent uh, than, say, a dollar, probably better spent than on a, do- a dollar, say, on Carlos Ruiz. I mean, that was like kind of my, tail end that's the guy i settle for but if you can afford to top on somebody like that with a lot more upside then you should be doing it two or three bucks yes. there's no real difference and then obviously that that kind of thing pays off it, speaking of gomes i mean he's just glancing at it he's my pick for the al but is there same I mean, is okay like well i mean he, he went for three dollars in top wars and i think the other guy that you have 
kind of deserves some consideration here is Deanna Navarro, yeah. uh, only because yeah, I, I thought there would be a lot more regression here. He did come within one home run of equaling last year's total, but it took him twice the amount of plate appearances to do it. So the home run to fly ball ratio that fueled his success last year uh, did come back to earth, but it, he still had more playing time. Hit 274 with 12 home runs, drove in 69. Those are great numbers for a, uh, for a catcher. That's a low catcher one in a mixed league, but that's a lot better than I ever thought Deion Navarro would do. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, I think it deserves mention. Yeah, as you, I, I was going to say the other one I thought deserved mention was Derek Norris, considering that he's yeah, kind of call. He's his basically a, a really strong first half. Obviously, fueled his value, and at this point, like in the second half, I mean, he was kind of he was AL only catcher material only, basically, but. I mean, it was a very strong season, and it still ended up being, overall, he was basically low-end mixed league catcher material for the entire season because of it. So, I mean, I think that's that's an impressive year. I'm, I would be curious to see if he's over or undervalued next season. Uh, I do like him, but I think that the way the A's approach catcher, I think, I, I can't help but think that the way they burnt out Kurt Suzuki in his first few years in the league yeah. makes, like, this is what gives them their approach at catcher now, where they have, like, three catchers on the roster if they have, the, if they're, if they're viable bats for them. Um, so, uh, it, that definitely, I think, limits his ceiling to some degree, but uh, at the same time, keeping him fresh over the long haul, maybe, I think, uh, he, to me, he's a, he's a really productive hitter, I think, and, and I don't think we've seen the best of him yet, so. Uh, but, it's been an interesting year at catcher. I'll be. I'm going to do some uh, a couple of articles, or at least one article on the position because that was my position during the season. To see what happens there, um, <clears throat> as far as what I think the future might hold at the position. At first base, AL MVP. I mean, is it kind of a no brainer? Uh, <laughs> I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Victor. To me, it's kind of a, a dual Paul thing. Paul Canerco, I mean, right? Post- yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Jose Abreu definitely had the hype coming into the year. Uh, and people spent, I know I spent on the AL Talent Wars, and for him to hit 36 homers, driving 107, and hit 317, 383, 581, just monster, especially when he uh, did some of that while he was hurt. But, I mean, Victor Martinez, he only, it cost $8 to roster him on uh, in the 15-team uh, Talent Wars. I know it cost more than that in the AL because uh, quite a few of us were in a bidding war with uh, Rick and Glenn uh, to get him. Uh, and I believe they, they're winning that league, so congrats to those two uh, with that. But Victor Martinez, He's been the most valuable first baseman as far as fantasy dollars. Um, to me, he's got a valid argument to be in a top three for AL MVP, period, even though he spent most of his time at DH because his numbers are just incredible this year. Yeah, so, I mean, is VMart our pick for first base? Yeah. Okay. I think, okay. I mean, when, you're, when, yeah. You, when you cost $8 and you produce $38, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think uh, it was seems I mean I I spent I bought him in AL Labor. That was like a big crux of the and I ended up having to spend more than I would have expected on him in AL Labor, but uh he was 16 bucks, but the you know, I mean I didn't get to finish with that team, but I'm guessing that that was one of the many reasons for that team being successful at least for the first first few uh, few months of that season. Uh, and I think that I mean without a doubt the fact that his overall value comes in at a higher rate than Abreu's. I mean, Abreu's power kind of dipped in the second half uh, significantly when he hit a handful of home runs. Uh, and Vmart, I think this is a career high in home runs for him, 32. Um, yes. Coming yeah, in. I think, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, just coming in, what is like, a, what is this, his age 35 season? Right. Uh, I mean, certainly you'd be, you'd be pretty crazy to think that he's going to, 
have this kind of season again next year. Um, but it, it's it's in, it's incredible. It's impressive. I think that anybody who bought on a, on a VMAR this year uh, is had an excellent chance to be competing in their in their in their leagues. Probably even more so than those who drafted a Brayu. Because by the time I mean by the time I was doing drafts at the end of March uh, in, in mixed leagues, a Brayu was going at the in the fifth and sixth round, which right. is you know turns out still to be a value, but at the same time like. V-Mart was going in double digits the whole time, and nobody expected anything of him. Well, let's say this also. I mean, it's it's, it's because of these two guys having these monster years that Chris Carter wasn't brought up. Mm-hmm. Maybe because Chris Carter, this is a guy that went for a dollar in, in mixed talent wars. In a 15-team mixed league, Chris Carter was an $18 player this year. That's huge return. That's because power league-wide continues to go down. And Chris Carter made some adjustments, fixed some flaws, hit 227, which in this day and age ain't so bad these days. Yeah, I was going to say. 37 bombs, drove in 88. I mean, that's a $17 profit from a guy that really nobody wants to touch because they're like, yeah, he may hit 25, but he may hit a buck 75. That's a $17 profit when you're talking about, you know, guys, other guys that people like, you know, Ryan Howard, that's a $9 player, half the value of Chris Carter. Those, I mean, that's somebody that still gets people, you know, Matt Adams was uh, produced five fewer dollars. Uh, Chris Davis was a $5 player this year. Mike Napoli was a $5 player this year. So these are guys that a lot of people were taking well ahead of Chris Carter. And, and look what he did as far as turning a profit. Yeah, yeah, that's, that is true. I mean, he, I think Carter, yeah, definitely deserves some honorable mention runner-up type material. That's a, it, it, that's an impressive an impressive season, especially an impressive second half. You actually went over him. I think you were um, – what was he? He was your pick uh, uh, sometime right after the All Star break as like the guy who was, hey, surprise, surprise, uh, was it slugging percentage or or oh, it was home run and RBI leaders? I think yeah, it was. he was leading. I had that yes. dude. I drafted him in a lot of places this year. Yeah, kudos to you. And so, uh, I mean, so in in first base in the because I mean it's just it's a it's a shallow position anymore. It seems in in uh, the National League. I mean, it seems. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to say as far. I mean, Justin Morneau is. That's that's exactly who I was going to bring up. He I has mean, to be the money He looked done. He just won the batting title. He's the batting title winner, but he looked done when I saw him play last year. That that's a guy to me that looked done, and I was I I'm surprised he was able to take advantage of of Coors Field, obviously the bigger space. Uh, drove in 82, hit 17 home runs, hit 319 with the extra space, got on base at a 364 clip. Um, I, I just didn't see that coming, and it worked out well. Now, he he produced $21 of value this year. He he cost 17. I'm sorry. He, no, sorry. He cost $9, so he almost doubled his profit uh, for Patrick Davitt and Towers. Yeah, I think that's – it's that's. I would have pictured him being a single-digit dollar uh, – uh, bid into and i probably i wouldn't actually frankly expect him to go for that much um and i i I, that was my fear is that basically at this point uh physically he was toast largely because of the concussions and things like that so i mean it's that's impressive obviously i I think it you can't ever rule out health for him i hope hope folks don't go in with too much high expectation next season but he's he's a year by year thing with that dude yeah it has to be it has to be totally um i i Anthony Rizzo, great season. Obviously, he's the top 
outperforming first baseman probably, kind of along with Adrian Gonzalez. But in the end, it's got to be Morneau because of the profitability. Uh, Lucas Duda would probably get the mention if he wasn't also outfield eligible, I would think. Yeah. Um, so, because he's tight, he's basically a one dollar mixed league player. But the fact that he's outfield eligible is going to be—he's one of my top earners coming in at the uh, in the NL outfield. So that's where I would reserve him. And second base, uh, I'm going to. This is something I think I'll move to NL second base first. Uh, this is something we kind of talked about in midseason. But if you're, uh, this kind of depends on whether D Gordon is eligible at second or short, isn't it? To me, second. He spent most of the time there this year. I mean, he was a reserve pick in Tout Wars. Right. 15 team reserve. Dude turned a $33 profit. Yeah, nothing but profit. No, I mean, I guess I, I, I'm i not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure like where he where he comes in, uh, on, in all the fantasy formats. I don't remember uh, checking. I'm sure. You had to draft him as a shortstop, but he ended up being a second baseman because yeah. he played 104. I mean, most of his games were a second base. Fair enough. Okay, well, that's what he was shortstop eligible on draft day. Yeah, um, I mean, I, it, it's hard for me to say, but I, I'll, I'll go along with. I think yeah, second base also. I mean, Gordon with the steals, the, he's led, he, lead, he leads the major leagues in steals with sixty four. Uh, he's also expected to be healthy for the Dodgers playoff series. Didn't think he. I didn't think he'd hit enough to stay on the field that long. I mean, you no. could knock the bat right out of that dude's hands. No, I think that was the thing. Made it work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they kudos to the Dodgers for spending so much time working with him. Um, because yeah, I, I, I that was the thing is I thought that even with like them improving his bunting skills. Uh, and his understanding of ways to slap the ball and stuff like that, that I just didn't think he was a strong enough hitter that that would matter. And, uh, I mean, he's proven it again. And so, like, it, this is the kind of thing where it's like, a, I think you could express serious doubts about whether he can do this kind of thing again. Um, his fantasy value next season is going to be very interesting uh, because – I mean, I'm imagining he's a top 75 commodity or top 50 commodity. He's going to be drafted very highly. And, you know, are you comfortable still doing that because of the same – I think the same things still apply. Um, and now there's going to be kind of an off-season of uh, tape and other, and other things, ways teams have, have kind of reviewed ways to try to, to, try to attack him. That's why I'm gonna be curious with the AL. I think it'll. I think it has to be Jose Altuve. Yeah, who's a sixteen dollar player, but he's produced forty five dollars of value. I mean, yeah, he's look at <laughs> he's that's first round. That's first round numbers. Yeah, never. You know, but, but this is a guy who I thought was a high net lineup and everything. Go ahead. Sorry, I just thought. I mean, I thought that he was kind of. I'd already thought he'd reached his peak value. So, I mean, I thought that this was going to be kind of another season of uh, 280 batting average and 20, 20, like 25. So I thought that those were, I thought the speed was going to kind of gradually drop off and that he had already hit his ceiling. So to me, this is just a thoroughly impressive season. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, to, to put this perspective, Jose Cano, uh, Jose Cano, <laughs> Robinson Cano is the next guy at $26 in the American League. And uh, Ian Kinsler as well. And Brian Dozier right behind those two. But that's the gap. There's a $19 gap in value between the top second baseman and the second second baseman in the American League. Yeah, he probably cost $19 less, you know. And oh, yeah. Cano was Cano $19 was still, more than Cano. <laughs> Cano was a $31 player. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and... Yeah, I mean, Altuve is probably in a mixed league at this point. He's, he was probably like a $12 player. I think it's pro- roughly. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what he went for in that league. But, 
Uh, he couldn't have gone for too much more than that, maybe 15 bucks. But um, just a thoroughly impressive season. And obviously, yeah, you could mention, and the Brian Dozers for the doubters. I mean, he had another nice follow-up with the 23 home runs. Uh, still batting average in the 240s. But overall, I mean, it's just it is impossible to overlook what Altuve produced. I mean, I, and it, we have these runaway candidates that kind of make uh, the debates for some of these really not as fun as you might hope they'd be. But there's certainly right. a lot of guys who deserve some mention. I know that uh, when we did the midseason thing, someone was disappointed that we didn't have a, an, an Anthony Rendon mention. And again, like there was considering where you draft an, an Anthony Rendon and uh, and uh, the kind, the kind, he certainly is. He, he was one of the top fantasy commodities, uh, but he yeah. didn't earn quite, quite the same type of profit that, say, a D. Gordon did. Or uh, even if you take D. Gordon out of the second base equation, um, I think that there will probably be other candidates at uh, NL second base. Yeah, you're not going to find too many guys that are bigger Rendon fans than myself, but at the same Josh time, Josh Harrison just, is eligible at second base in a lot of leagues. Yeah, it's just the depth of the position with it. And, yeah. that, you know, that's. That's where it goes. I mean, even as, as we shipped over to shortstop, American League, who's your guy? I mean, I, I see my guy uh, when looking at – there's a couple of guys, but I see one that kind of really stands out because he was undrafted, and yet he outproduced some – he outproduced Hanley Ramirez this year. Uh, well, I'm going to say is it uh, – was it Danny Santana? Uh, yes, Alcides, I know Alcides Escobar was probably – like I drafted him in the last round of – in my in the 12 team mix league, I drafted in the last round as kind of a guy that I thought might bounce back, and I was and I, he was kind of early season might be my guy. But Danny Santana has been phenomenal since he's come up. He's this I still this is where I I, I fielded a number of Twitter Twitter questions about Santana. Hey, is he going to keep this up? Hey, blah, blah, blah. and I say, look, uh, Santana is outproducing every single one of his lines from any of his previous minor league seasons. Like this just doesn't say to me. Um, continued success here. And I mean, he still ends up with a line that looked like it did two, three months ago, 319, 354, 474. <laughs> um, and that's, I mean, he's played in only a hundred games. So he's only got the seven, he has the seven home runs and 19 stolen bases. I, I don't, I'm not even sure that he stole 19 bases in any whole full season in the minor leagues, but uh, it's, it's a phenomenal season, and I think anybody who jumped on this kid—I mean, there are certainly there were skills alike, but I think that I was a little concerned because I thought, okay, Santana's coming up, and his game is—oh, I'm sorry—he did steal 30 and 24 in two different seasons prior, but um, I thought this is this is a kid who's coming up just a little earlier than uh, he's kind of than he's primed to be uh, than he's than he should have been. He's caught up a little right. sooner than he should have been, uh, partially to fill a need. And uh, I, I like the skills, I think, in the long term. But I'm, I'm going to say that this is strictly hot start material. And he kept it up the entire way. Yep. Here's the thing for the National League. I don't have a guy. I mean, Ian Desmond was a 2020 guy for a third straight year, I believe. Um, Expect. You know, Jimmy Rollins kind of was a fantasy zombie, not to steal uh, nomenclature from other shows. But dude pulled a 28 stolen base season. He had 17 bombs and 28 homers. So he helped you in the catting categories when he looked like he was wearing down. Yeah. Uh, I think Castro before he got hurt. But, I mean, I don't really – nobody from the NL really jumps out at me. I think it's Rollins because he was left for fantasy dead in a lot of – like I saw him draft – I mean, like final few rounds is like he was basically a left for dead type player. So I think he's my pick and also because he's always been my favorite Philly. And so I don't really have to justify it anymore 
<laughs> I mean, I, I just he's the closest the list. Thing. Shortstop just wasn't a very good position. Maybe Peralta because he, you know, as we mentioned earlier, he's one of the guys that kind of bounced back. But for the most part, ugh. yeah. I mean, Castro, even though I mean it was a it was a strong bounce back for him. Uh, he was still kind of a mid-round pick in mixed leagues. Um, he was he was a he was a double-digit dollar player in mixed leagues. There were certainly people willing to pay a cost to take a shot on that rebound, um, whereas you know some of the other guys like a Peralta, you know, people were either willing to settle or they targeted him at the end. And I think it, and maybe even be able to say the same about Rollins, uh, but. Certainly not the case. I mean, there's there are more interesting picks at third base, um, probably, but especially I would say, in the NL, <laughs> and maybe maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but this one seems kind of obvious to me as well for the NL third base. And, well, this I guess is the question. I mean, you could say that Rendon fits here, but I would still. I mean, he's more valuable at second base, and there's a candidate here that still kind of fits that bill of drafted even lower was a lot less was expected of. This is. That's, I mean, I think we have to split this between Todd Frazier and Josh Harrison for the NL. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I guess, yeah. I, I was kind of looking. Yeah, I was looking at Harrison as a possibility. I mean, he's more of a. We got to put Harrison but, somewhere because nobody drafted that guy. Yeah. No, nobody, nobody. And he did. pulled a twenty-four dollar profit this year. And Frazier, a lot of people had him left for dead and thirty-dollar player this year. Yeah. Yeah, and and. Despite what Frazier has done this season, I mean, I guess you, I mean you could say the same about Harrison. Uh, both of these players, first Harrison's positional eligibility. I mean, he was eligible at second, third, outfield, and in some leagues, I think shortstop. Yes. So, I mean, he's he also I mean he filled phenomenal needs for you probably because at one point you picked him up and said, well, I can plug him wherever while he's playing while he while. Uh, well, after the Pirates have demoted uh, Gregory Polanco, or prior to that, uh, when they were just weren't getting a lot of production in right field between Travis Schneider and Jose Tabata, and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, they were they were looking for solutions out there, and then it became Neil Walker was injured at second base, and they just finally kept finding him playing time to a point where they couldn't take him out of the lineup. But I think that's kind of what fantasy owners probably did as well. And then he became your regular shortstop or second baseman, or maybe even third baseman, and. There was a lot of depth in this position this year. Yeah. There really was. I mean... Not a lot of great production, but a lot of solid depth. Yes. I'm lucky, as you're saying, not a lot of great production. I'm looking at Evan Longoria ending the season with a 404 slugging average. (laughs) 253, 321, 404. The good news is he played 160 games for the second consecutive season. The bad news is is his numbers keep going down. But, hey, the hitting coach is going to keep his job. Um (laughs) But this is kind of like you look at the American League third baseman side. I, I don't really have a guy that jumps out at me that says, wow, you know what? That guy made a lot of strides this year because, you know, Trevor Plouffe, the counting categories are there, but that's a guy that I've liked in the past. Maybe Chisenhall with the extra playing. I think that's kind of has to be it by default yeah, because there's really a, nobody else that kind of jumps out. Yeah, not a huge money earner, but he's he was uh, – I mean, he's not even a reserve pick in a mixed league. No one, no one was – because he was he was barely a reserve. He wasn't drafted anywhere in town. Right. I mean, uh, barely a reserve pick for the Cleveland Indians <laughs> coming into the season, thanks to their desire and and uh, move of Carlos Santana to third base on uh, some of the regular basis to begin the season. Which I mean, I guess I'm I'm assuming that turned out to be a disaster. Uh, it didn't it, it didn't look to go very well from my standpoint. Um, I don't see. I, it's hard for me to, to pin it on anyone besides Chisholm Hall. I guess 
Ploof is a guy to me that is, I mean, 258 and 14 home runs, a lot. 80 RBIs, I think, is, I mean, it's just, it, there's a lot com that comes from the volume. Um, and uh, Chisholm Hall, I think, is the is probably the guy just because, I mean, reserve pick, basically he's $10 profit. And uh, with two with the 278 batting average and, and 13 home runs for nothing, that's pretty solid. Um, as far as outfielders go, what shall we pick? Are we picking just one? We pick three, I would think. I think we picked. Yeah, three. let's just go for three. I think we picked three before. Yeah. Um. And we'll start, I guess, in the American League. Uh, do we have to? Do we have to put Michael Brantley in this category based on the fact that he was still kind of a mid round or low? I mean, he's basically one of yeah, the top. Yeah, I think Brantley has to be there. Okay. Yeah, it's. I guess it's hard to argue otherwise with the uh, four dollars pick. Yeah. Four dollars pick produced forty one dollars in a fifteen team league. <sighs> yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Um, Nelson Cruz was a ten dollar player, produced uh, thirty two. Yeah, I think Charlie Blackman's got to be there. Uh, well, we're talking about the American League, so yeah. let's hold off on Blackman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to yeah, say Corey, um, Corey Dickerson. I was going to say is probably. Right. Right. I think both the Rocky, the Rockies could almost sweep that. Yeah. Uh, but in the American League, uh, Brantley. Um, see the net. The, uh, JD the Martinez. National League really had the strong gear in the outfield. There's this my year. man, JD Martinez. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's got to be a second one right there. And I, I guess Melky would have to be the third one. Yeah, Melky is up there. Well, I mean, we talked about you know we we talked Let's about this. Go, we can just go five outfielders because we can do we can do. Sure. Brantley. Melky was a two dollar player. Yeah, Melky. Um, go ahead. Yeah, Melky, JD Martinez, uh, Brantley, and and Cruz are four easy ones. Yeah, so, yeah, my fifth is going to be the guy that nobody really wants to draft every year, and he keeps producing, Rajai Davis. <laughs> $21 player this year because he stole 36 bases, hit 282, and steals are a premium. This guy brings that. That guy gets he gets underdrafted every year, and he keeps producing because he can run. That's a 20. Rajai Davis had more fantasy value this year in a 15-team mixed league than Matt Holliday, Alex Gordon, and Brett Gardner. Yeah. That is true. I, I've as a buy, I've been a buyer, buyer of him in multiple leagues this season, and I'm not going to complain. Uh, he also outdid Ryan Braun. <laughs> uh, and uh, in the in the National League, I do want to. I was going to say like a, I, I I like to mention that man Low Kane Lorenzo Kane. He deserves a, an honorable mention for actually playing in 147 or 100 132 games, 133 games this season. Uh, for hitting over 300 and actually, I mean, that's basically it for him was he wasn't accru accruing the, pay, uh, the playing time in past seasons. But I think Davis right. earns the nod because he was probably, although I, I think it depends, like in a mixed league, I mean, Davis Davis tends to fetch a few dollars. I mean, I think that those two are kind of a tie for me because he finished with only eight fewer steals. But in the, in, in the National League, um, I mean, two Rockies outfielders have the tie kind of seemed to top the list like you said i mean both charlie blackman and uh cory dickerson cory dickerson dickerson was virtually a pickup i mean he was he was kind of quickly cast aside in those leagues where he was drafted because uh, he went five dollars and and uh top wars uh dickerson did and blackman was undrafted yeah yeah uh, those two i mean both of them are 25 dollar plus players 
or thereabouts. Yes, yeah, twenty, yeah, twenty-six for Dickerson and twenty-nine for Blackman. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep, uh, your boy Pen, uh, Ben Revere. That's a four-dollar player that produced twenty-six with forty-eight steals and a three-oh-seven uh, batting average. It's a shame he only scored seventy-one runs because the rest of that lineup didn't do its job. But that—that's a huge season for a guy there that pretty much is a drafted as a one-category guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ended up producing. Uh, Marte was another guy. Uh, was a good, but people were drafting Starling Marte this year. I mean, he was he not, was overvalued. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, that's like, Nars- Yelich, I think Yelich was a big surprise. I didn't see him doing this well. Yeah. I mean, at least personally. And he's twenty-one steals, ninety-four runs scored this year, two eighty-five to three sixty-four on base average. Uh, getting up there in front of Giancarlo Stanton. That's that was uh, a very nice year. Of very surprising year. I didn't think he had. I didn't think he'd be able to pull it off, but he did. Denard Spann was basically a $1 player in mixed leagues or reserve and uh, finishes with a yep, three. one dollar through, through today, he finishes with, uh, he actually had a three oh two average, I think, and 31 stolen bases and scored nearly 100 runs. Uh, I mean, that's that's a lot of profit, right? <laughs> yeah. 20, uh, $24 is what he earned this season in the 15-team mixed league. So, I mean, he's one of my picks as a guy who owned him in the – and I – and that trade in he was a he was kind of a throw in in a trade so mm-hmm. very very happy with that um really, that's really about it for the national league outfield because uh, yeah. we, we already unless we want to put Harrison out here and, and let Frazier have third base by himself um that's kind of it uh, when you look at I double think we digit could do earners that, yeah there's not okay. a lot of double digit earners in the outfield in the national league you could do that i think all right because there, there's i mean Drew Stubbs i mean there were people that were kind of hopeful about that i mean there's not like some of these things, yeah, there you, you start to move into. Angel Pagan would have been in this category had he stayed healthy, but we, that's always pretty much the issue with Angel yeah. Pagan to begin with. So, do we do a DH? Is there a DH? Nah, it's, no, I don't really. I was just kind of looking at that, but we've already talked about all you those know, players. Cruz was DHing or Brady was. I mean, we already talked about our, our guys who would have who would have fit that bill. Sounds good to me. Skip the DH and move on to pitchers. All right. Uh, now I saw, I saw some someone's pick for American League Cy Young was Corey Kluber. That was me. Uh, oh, okay. Well, then that's you. You make number two. Um, but like at the same time, <laughs> his fantasy Cy or his fantasy most valuable fantasy pitcher was King Felix. I mean, I don't see it for either. I mean, like Kluber is clearly the guy if you're talking fantasy because of the profit that he earned. Or like there was a lot. Yeah, of, he's a six dollar player in Tout Wars. And there he was, went, 30. Yeah, there's still there's still way too much. There was like, I was a skeptic coming into the season, but like until the very end of probably March, and I saw like his last spring start, um, and I was like, well, you know what makes this guy really good is the two the two uh, the two seamer, which I never really realized before, <laughs> and he was like dominant in that outing. But I was just like, wow, this is there's clearly something I'm missing on this guy, and. Um, 19, it's, 18 wins. It's fun, but yeah, that's that's where he's at. I mean, uh, uh, eighteen wins, the two forty four ERA, the one point one zero WHIP. He led the American League in strikeouts. I mean, yes. And uh, I've seen some people say, you know, the ratios matter more, and the you know what, the counting. Give me the counting stuff, pretty much all day. 
and any which way until I watched his last start of the year it was against the Rays and he was like doing Jedi mind tricks with the baseball. It was not <laughs> it was not fair. And I think you know, Garrett Richards definitely deserves mention here. Yeah. Before he got hurt and he lost his season. I mean, it's a seventeen dollar pitcher this year who was a reserve pick mm-hmm. in, in most leagues. And this guy turned a seventeen dollar profit and was awesome until he got hurt. Uh, if he had kept and then Jake Gary and Jake Arrieta as well. I mean, those yes. are three guys to me that I think. Yeah, well, three guys that were Kluber, that were that were drafted in single digits or reserves that turned huge profits this year. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And Richards, I mean, I think Richards, if he had continued on the pace that he was on, he he probably would have been this. I mean, he would have taken this fantasy spot over Kluber. At least in my opinion, but if he, but that's, I mean, you probably is asking a lot, but like, uh, I mean, so, well, you know, how many, how many starting pitchers can we name in the American League? It's Kluber and and Richards, maybe. I mean, like Richards misses out. Um, Phil Hughes, maybe. Uh, I was gonna say Phil Hughes definitely deserves mention. That was a reserve pick in Tout Wars this year, and a, a lot of guys didn't want to touch him, and he went out and struck out 186 and walked only 16 guys. With a 352 ERA and a 1.13 whip, Hughes is somebody that I landed in like three or four leagues this year um, because I like those skills and going into a different ballpark. Yeah, uh, and that's a guy that I made a strong play on this year in multiple leagues and it paid off handsomely. Yeah, same here, same here. Um, very pleased with that. And Colin McHugh probably and wrap your head wrap your head around this. Phil Hughes had fifteen dollars of value in a fifteen team mixed league. James Shields fourteen dollars. <laughs> Uh, and you paid it for you. You paid it for Shields, but you in a mixed league, you probably paid a buck for Hughes at most, a couple of bucks. Colin McHugh off the scrap heap is probably like a guy that uh, is like that honorable. Another one of those honorable mention guys you you made the pickup on, and he ended up making. Uh, let's see, he pitched 150 more than 150 innings this season with a sub three ERA and a WHIP just above one. Um, and, uh, and, yes, and that's I mean that's fantastic stuff there. More than 150 strikeouts. That's fan, that's fantastic to pick up off the waiver wire. And then of course in the National League, uh, well, Tanner Roark I think is probably at the top of the list along with mm-hmm. Jake, with along with Jake Arrieta. I mean as you mentioned, yes. those two are kind of easily the standouts there. Um, if you have these guys on your fantasy teams, then you probably did really well this year. And Tyson Ross would be, I mean, since yep. we're picking another guy, Tyson Ross has to be uh, included. And that's some guy that I was, uh, I was rather wrong on. I, I thought that arm would never hold up, but it has. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, that's uh, really surprising that his arm held up. Uh, and what about reliever for you? Let's like do two from each league, two from the National League over there. Zach Britton from the – well, okay, well, I was – okay. Uh, from the American League, France, K-Rod, uh, just to the number of saves that he delivered. And, frankly, I expected yeah. that whip to jump to about 120 by after the All-Star break, and it didn't. Um, he didn't – I mean, he continued to strike guys out, which is really impressive to me, mm-hmm. um, and still gives us an ERA at around three. So, I mean, it, it, he – he continued to produce at a at a rate better than I expected all throughout the season, and maybe that's partly a reflection on, on offense. And I guess, I mean, I guess in the National League, you could say Mark Melanson. I don't, yes, I, 
I mean, he's the kind of guy we knew had the skills to do it. And Jason Greeley, more so health concerns, I think, than performance. I think that a lot of that stuff that he was doing was health. Superior skills usually went out. And this was a great example. This was a guy that I couldn't recommend strongly enough. I, I had, was able to keep him in a couple of leagues because I had him as a middle reliever salary. But this is a guy that I couldn't recommend enough because I did I did not like what I saw with, with Greeley's stuff last year, even when he came back and everything. And, and uh, Melanson was somebody I was rostering in multiple leagues uh, going into the season. And the, and the skills played out. The Brit, you know, the uh, the Rodriguez saying the same kind of thing. I remember a guy in my home league had him for ten dollars because he had picked him up late in last year, and somebody tried to trade him to me. I was like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how that's going to play out. And sure enough, it ended up playing out. Um, and you know, good for him. I think the American League. You you mentioned Britain. I think that's a classic example because I never. I don't think any of us had any faith in Tommy uh, Hunter holding that job. But I, I, I had none of us something like Ryan Webb. I'm sorry. None of us at Fangraphs did. I don't think. I don't think anybody and anybody. No, I've seen. Mother. I saw. I saw a number. I saw a number of folks that were really into Tommy Hunter, and I think it was purely because of the velocity. But that's the only thing that he had. To... Well, he had the strikeout. He had the strikeout rate. But I mean, they they used him in advantageous situations. Mm -hmm. And then once once you have to close a game and you have to start facing left-handers, then it's a different story. Yeah, but they were able to make some matches guy. And, it's a hard, yeah. straight fastball. It's not. Yeah, it's no. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell people to run away. Now I thought Ryan Webb would get the maybe have an outside shot at that job. Um, I didn't see Britain coming in and doing what he did. But you know that right there, Britain was a guy that went undrafted in most leagues. Rodriguez was a guy that went undrafted in most leagues. You're talking that's what seventy seven saves that just were just sitting out there uh, to be picked up this year. And that's the that's why we we mentioned last week. Did we learn anything new about closes this year? No. I mean, it's the same thing. It's, you just find these find these saves out there, and guys pile them up. And and there's, and there's some those were some free saves that were just sitting out there this year. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And Britain, Britain kind of profiled as the classic guy uh, that Baltimore would plug into the closer's job and. Uh, we talked about him. I know Eno, I know I talked about him. And I think you and I may have talked about him. Just like, is this guy going to keep the role? That the, that's the question that everybody kept asking because he's not a he's not a prototypical high strikeout guy or anything like that. He's not this. He's a you know he's he's not the prototypical closer, and he's left-handed. And I mean, our conclusion was simple: like, there's no there's no one else who's doing better in the Baltimore bullpen. I mean, I liked Darren O'Day coming in. I thought that I never would have pictured Britain being a, a guy that would excel out of the bullpen uh, especially the way he has but i mean i think ultimately britain uh given given the way that ball I, I mean i think britain has he's i mean full on like there's no reason to think that this guy's not going to be their closer next year because they went into seasons I mean, jim johnson was their closer he was ground balls he was he was hard sinker ground ball um strikeouts were secondary as long as he was getting guys out, I mean, he's the only thing that may be going against Britain at this point is that he's left-handed, but uh, he's been phenomenal in the role, and I don't think the Orioles are going to think that there's any reason to think that he can't do the job again next season. And considering that they had he kind of flamed out as a starter for him, for them, I think they're pretty happy to get some value out of him. So, yeah, I think he's an excellent candidate to keep it next year. Yeah, I think this year, if anything, uh, him getting the job, Doolittle getting a job, the whole the lefties don't get the don't get the closing role. I think that whole garbage can go out the window. Yep, and uh, it's something we had just talked about with Jake McGee is the only thing that might be holding him back is uh, we read earlier arbitration. Yeah, is that 
the Rays want to go in. Uh, Joe Madden says you might want to go in the next season kind of with more of a committee approach and then realize that it was you know, might be just because they don't want McGee to, to get expensive. So that seems to be Yeah, something. good luck with that. <laughs> that seems to be something that uh, we'll have to – in the end, uh, maybe that hopes, hopefully that just depresses McGee's value uh, in drafts next season. Well, I think that is that is going to do it for our fantasy awards edition of the Sleeper in the Bus, Jason. Excellent picks. I can't tell you how much I think your picks are awesome and right. Because <laughs> we're on the same page with most of them, but that's just <laughs> that's the way it happens. I mean, you look at it, and you know, I, I was happy that you and I were pretty much on the same page with you know, let's go with guys that turn the biggest profit because that's where you're winning your leagues. It's not that you you drafted studs and studs performed. I, that's why I mentioned earlier I love writing in the offseason because I love going back to look and say, you know, hey, you know, how how did the studs do? Because everybody's always trying to line up, who am I going to draft? The studs make your team. No, the mid to late rounds make your team. Studs, you, know, you can see the volatility rate in those guys. and You can see the volatility rate low, but if you nail some of these guys at the end, you roster the right reserve guy, you pick up a guy at a dollar that turns a $15 profit, that's where you win your league. As long as you can you know, hold water up front. Uh, but I want to. I love going back to look and say, okay, this is how much money we spent on these guys, and this is what they produced. Who turned that profit? You know, who was a big bust? And uh, go from there. Yeah, yeah, I'm same way. I think it, it's all about profit and profitability. And if you if you turn waiver wire pickups into big profit, if you turn, I mean, that's where the luck element comes in quite a bit. But like you minimize the luck by doing your homework on those waiver wire pickups and, and, and no, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? You, you, if you're, if you're doing your homework, if you're putting in the time to figure out the best way to roster your manager, uh, manager roster in season, um, those, those are the things that are going to make you really step up and uh, especially in the, in deeper leagues and deeper leagues is where it matters a ton. Uh, so those profit earners are, I mean, they make huge differences, and that's really what, what wins people leagues. So kudos to those who have, who have done well in those categories, and we look forward to helping you guys in the offseason with some of those as well and look forward to next season as well. Congrats to all the Indeed. fantasy owners out there. Jason For Jason Collette, uh, I'm your host, Nicholas Minix, and this has been episode number 171 of The Sleeper and the Bust. Boom.